Amen. You can have a seat. It was a beautiful song and really a great way for us to kick off this morning. Uh, Every September as a church, we look to kind of this as a launch point ministry season-wise. Everybody's back in school. Shout out to Cruz here, right? It was a little bit light. Hopefully it'll get a little bit more energetic. Uh, but we launch uh, in September and kind of we get back to some patterns and some regularity and in for ministry, we see September as that point at which we begin to rethink and restore and kind of begin new about what is it that community church is about. And we wanted to do that a little bit different. And we thought, gosh, it's so difficult on Labor Day because this weekend, a lot of people are kind of getting their last you know, grasp of, of that weekend away. And so we wanted to launch a three-week series. Uh, it's called Three Circles. Three Circles, uh, not to be mistaken that we have three circles in our kind of brand or our icon, our logo. Um, not to make that about marketing, but really it's about just very visually for you to understand what are we about. It's not meant to be a cool thing. It's not meant to be a hip thing. It's really about you understanding very clearly what is community church about. And we make no mince about and, and don't try to hide from you that we're about connecting with God, belonging to the body of Christ, and serving others. That is clearly what we're about. And as we talked about that, we've said, well, we could put together a lot of the strategies and we can plan, and I think we do fairly well. As a church body, as a staff, as a volunteer team, we, we've stewarded well the resources we've been given. We have a great staff. We have great volunteers. A lot of things are in front of us that God's done really well uh, with us and through us. But as I have kind of have the opportunity to be as far as a lead role, and often what happens around here is so how God's working with the lead pastor, so is he probably going to work with the church. Now that doesn't mean I'm like it. I'm just saying because this is my role, and so I'm usually projecting out what God's doing in me. And here's where I'm at, and I've asked the elders to think about this and our staff to think about this, is really in the idea of prayer. You see, we have planned well and stewarded well, and yet one of the convictions I just see, sense God's working in me super deep is, are we praying? Are we a church that's on our knees asking for God's miraculous, amazing, perplexing answers? And so we want to start a series called Three Circles and do two things. One, to share what our church is about and where we're heading this season. But two, more importantly, in order for that to happen, there have to be three prayers prayed all this year. Three prayers of change for hearts, for people, and for cities. And that's what we wanted to do in the next three weeks. And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what is it that we're longing to see happen at our church. And we've talked about last week, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to watch that message. It was about being family. Because really, that's what we're about, right? We're about family. And one of the biggest struggles I've had is when I hear people saying, I, I had someone tell me, you know what, I, I'm going to take a break from community church for a while because uh, it's the people. 
just there's so much drama and people are hurtful and all that. And so I said, basically, you're saying you want to walk away from family. I mean, how many of us would really like just to walk away from our families? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, like the drama in your own biological family and all that goes on. And yet, why is it that we feel like we get permission to do that with the spiritual family? Friends, the church is messy because it's family. And that means you're going to be hurt and disappointed, and, and I will disappoint you. I had some people ask, can we trust the leadership of this church, and can I trust you? And I said, absolutely not. You cannot trust us to be, we, we are flawed. What you can trust is that we're surrendering our hearts to God, and in the midst of our flawedness, He might give us grace and forgiveness that we won't intentionally try to hurt, but we're family. And so what we've been talking about, what does it mean to be family in a community church, we believe becoming a part of community is not through a class. It's not checking a box and saying, hey, I've already done that. Fifteen years ago I had my class, I'm in. Friends, there's an active part of this. It says not through a class, but by actively declaring with your life that you are committed to being an owner, not just an attender. Is this your family or is it not your family? It's not simply that you say, I'm a part of five families. You became a part of this greater picture of the Spirit of God in the church. And then you have a local expression of that, and that's called the local church, and that's your family. And you're to be an investor in that. You're to be a participant in that, and not just simply a seat sitter. You, as a believer in Jesus, and as a part of His body, the church, are joining the cause of Christ as pursued here at Community Church. You join us as a part of a transforming community of families that are loving God and others. And the motivation behind uh, coming, becoming a part of our community family is not about what can be received, but what can be given. This is a huge distinction that we want to make very clear this morning, that you understand being a part of community church is not simply attending it. That this year, our prayer is going to be that we move from attenders to investors, to givers. You see, when you're a part of family, you are a participant. You have to be in. And you have to be giving of yourself in that family. And that's what we want to make very clear this morning about where we're heading as a church body. Where are you this morning as far as being an attender or a giver, an investor, an owner, and so we've talked about what this looks like, and we recognize that change has to happen. How many of you want change in your life? How many of you long to be freed from that secret sin or sin in your life? How many of you long for freedom or change um, in, in relationships that you have? How many of you want change in your marriage for it to be different? I do. I want to be a different person next week. I want my marriage to have more purity and more a sense of holiness and oneness with my bride. And I long for us to be in love with the Father even more next week. I long for that change in myself. And the question is, do we as a church want to be different? I do. I don't want it to be the same thing and the same faces and the same people. I, I long to see more faces and more people surrendering their life to Christ. The definition for change is to make or become different. 
I want to be different. And isn't it a symbol or a mark of a life that's given over to Christ that we're changing? Paul will talk about this, and he used the word, he says it's transforming. In Romans 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means that there is something going on with you. The Greek word means it's metamorphosis. It's where we get this word to, to morph or change. The same word is used in, in conjunction with Jesus, the transfiguration. His, it was like he was a different person. He transfigured. He changed. In other words, to be a part of the family of God is not attending services and classes It's to be acknowledging and actively seeing a transfiguration of your life. You're changing. Are you changing? 46 years ago, there was a body of believers that formed in a basement of a home across the street from Lambeau Field. And they said, we long to see change. And it was called the beginning of Community Church, Green Bay Community Church, 33 people. It started with prayers back then, 46 years ago. It started with prayers that said, we don't long just to see an attendance to a service, but to lay the brick and mortar, the foundation, that one day there might be a community church that's impacting a city a community church that's impacting people, and a community church that lives and hearts are being changed. Mark Batterson in his book, Circle Maker, where we're really going to be leveraging a lot of where God's led Mark. He's the uh, lead pastor of National Community Church. And he says in his book, Circle Maker, prayers are prophecies. They're the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Let's stop for a moment there. Do you want change? If you want change in your marriage, then maybe the transcript of your prayer life needs to look a very long and lengthy prayer life committed to your marriage. Do you want change in your children's lives? Then the transcript of your prayer life needs to be full and loaded with prayers for your children? Do you want grandchildren that love Jesus deeply? Then the transcript of your prayer life needs to be about that. Do you want your city to change, your neighbors to change, the transcript of your prayers? Do you want to be a part of a church community, a family that's seeing transformation? Then the transcript of our prayers needs to be full and lengthy. In other words, we should be having knee problems in this church. Because we should be so surrendered in prayer that if our transcripts were be pulled up in heaven's gates, it would be lengthy about God, would you make this transformation in us? He says, Mark Batterson in his book, the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Are we asking God? Are we asking God to do the great change in that family member that you know is far from God? Are we asking God to make that great and radical transformation in your own life in that area of sin? I am. I want freedom from some things in my life and I want to be different in my marriage and I'm recognizing and feeling more and more conviction that we plan well 
and we've programmed well, and we have great staff, and we have great resources, and with all this, God's asked us to be good stewards of that. We've, we've, we've checked that box. But what I sense God's calling us to this season is sore knees, is lengthy transcripts of prayers that are prayed and asking God to do not just amazing, but perplexing. There are great prayers prayed in the Scriptures, and they're all throughout, and they're amazing prayers. Hannah prays for a baby. Elijah prays to God to prove his power. Jacob wrestling with God. Solomon prays for wisdom. Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, prays for this this son that would be ushering in the Messiah, Daniel and the lion's den. Nehemiah prays for restoration of a city, his hometown he's never been in. He is the cupbearer for a king, doesn't have any resources, he has no authority, and says, God, will you restore the walls? Moses prays at the Red Sea, one of my most favorite stories in Scripture. Why? Because it's those Red Sea moments where the odds look insurmountable. And it is in those moments, remember, the Israelites said, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Were there not enough places to bury us in Egypt that you would send us out here to be buried in the desert? And it is those moments that God says, I want to amaze you. Let your prayers be heard. Mark Batterson in his book, and we're going to be using that devotional next week to launch a 40-day prayer journey with Community Church. I recommend, we're going to say afterwards to go buy that book and start it next week. On Sunday, we'll start together. But he talks about this idea of this legend. In the book of legends, our Bibles talk about some of these books that you've never read before, but it references this book of legends, and it talks about a Jewish prophet called Honi. And he was one that was known that he could pray for rain, and that's what he was called upon when there were droughts in Israel. And it says in a great drought that he was asked to pray for rain, and he drew a circle in the sand, and he stepped in it, and he would not leave it until God answered his prayer. This doesn't mean God's a genie and like he just answers everything we want. It means that God will answer sometimes differently than what we ask for, but he gives us what we need, and he always fulfills his promise. And so Honey draws this circle, and great rains came upon Israel. He leverages this story to say that It is throughout Scripture that circles are drawn and great prayers are answered, that seas are parted. One of my favorite stories is the walls of Jericho, and he mentions it in there, and he talks about this idea that could you imagine being a military strategist when you hear Joshua show up and say, oh, by the way, I know 40 years ago we had spies in there and they looked like giants. And God punished us uh, for our lack of faith. Now we stand at the banks of the Jordan River, a mile wide, friends, in flood stage. A mile wide. We're going to send the priests forward. This is great because they always send the, the, the holy people first. This is like praying at like wedding reception. Send the religious guy out there to do that first. And they're supposed to go with the ark. And what happens? They march. And could you imagine being the ark bearers? I thought they said this Jordan was going to part. I thought they said it was going to part. It's not parting. It's not parting. Our feet are wet. Boom. Isn't it like God to place us in those moments of saying, you're praying. Now I'm going to ask you to start walking. 
I'm going to ask you to start walking in that faith and moving toward the Jordan. And the great beauty of that, they're camped there. And so Joshua walks in and says, all right, friends, here's the great strategy God's given me. They, they had armies and ready to conquer and knock down the walls and punch through the gates and do all this. And what does he say? We are going to basically march around this city for six days in silence. What? Isn't it like God to bring upon His way of saying, this is going to be all me. No one's going to take the credit for this one, and I'm going to not only amaze you, but perplex you. Because the walls of Jericho, you could build a house on, they were so wide. The walls of Jericho were legendary, could never be knocked down. Yet you're not going to use a battering ram, any military ideas. It is going to be the voice of God that is going to tear the walls down. And so they do for six days, march around it in silence until the seventh day they're asked to shout in glory and honor to God and the walls come down. In other words, they circled. Friends, what are we circling in this church to say that we're going to be different? Do you want to see transformation in the cities I do? Do you want to see neighbors and friends change? Do you want to see this family change? Do you want to see people changed? It comes down to three prayers that we need to be praying as a church body. Three prayers that we want to begin to launch in and say, what could God do if we begin to circle these? And maybe he answers them a bit different, but what if we claim out there that our neighborhoods and our city could change? Because friends, one of the blessings of being in our city is it's small as for a city. And that do you realize that if, if there's a thousand believers, I believe, that are committed to circling this city, I think the walls will come down. I think great things God could do in this city, but He's looking for family members that are fully surrendered. Three prayers. Those three prayers are really that they're centered around us changing hearts, changing people, and changing cities. Will this happen overnight? Probably not. Again, 46 years ago, those people in that basement prayed. Could you just wish some of them could now see their prayers fulfilled? They laid seeds that only later became fruit. In his book, he says, we want to reap the second after we sow. We want to we want to see God like answer our prayer right now in the middle of the service because we got to leave. We got lunch. If God, you could just answer it right now. But this is the way he works with dreaming big and praying hard. I love this way he phrases this. We need the patience of a planter. We need the foresight of a farmer. We need the mindset of the sower. What if community church was known for being a farming church, a planting church, a sowing church. It already has those roots. People have walked this physical property before it was ever built on and saying, God, would you make this a place of prayer? Would you make this a family that surrenders itself fully to you? The prayer is the inheritance we receive and the legacy we leave. Think about that for a moment. We're praying for the next generation. We're laying seeds 
for your children and their children and their children. That 50 years from now, wouldn't it be amazing to have community church still flourishing but impacting an entire city, maybe an entire state, maybe a nation, maybe the world? We want to draw circles this next year, but it's going to take us being devoted to prayer. And as we have as our elders, our theme verse, Colossians 4, 2 through 6, Colossians 4, 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Friends, this is just a straight command. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote means to give unremitting care to this thing. That means diligent. That means faithful. That means disciplined. Not a Sunday throw prayer. Not a fourth quarter prayer, oh Lord, help the Packers win this one. You know? And you know what I'm talking about. Or God, this, we're in trouble. We're at the Red Sea right now. What if our transcripts start now? What if our transcripts start now and we may not see the answer this year or next year or five years from now? I'm having these secret prayers right now in my soul beginning to stir. We had a couple hundred people come to Christ last year, ministry season. I'm praying, I want, I want to see a thousand people come to Christ. I think, I think if a thousand people were fully committed to praying for another thousand to come, I think, friends, the number is nothing to God, but I want to circle that because I want to see that happen. I want to see that unfold in our city. And not Christians just bumping around church to church like we're like a car dealership or a restaurant, but family members connected to this spiritual family. When we're devoted, I think we'll see cities change, and I think then we might see God change neighborhoods, your neighbors. But that only for that to happen, then people have to change and in order for these cities to change. And if people are going to change, then our first prayer this morning has to be that hearts change. In other words, what we need to circle first this morning is your heart has to change. My heart has to change. And in our logo, it says that arrow goes up. It's you connecting with God. We want just you to know about what Community Church is about. It's not about all these things that you might see here. It's not about a building. Our commitment on Sunday morning is to call you to connect with God. You do that four ways. You acknowledge and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You need to surrender your life to Christ. You do that professing your faith through baptism. And that professing just doesn't happen through baptism. That's the symbol. It's an ongoing thing. You give regularly, you tend to write regularly. And we want to walk you through that this morning to, for you to remind yourself or restore that in you. Acknowledging your surrendered life to Jesus. Some of you may not have done that. But this morning, we want you to do that. And the passage in Scripture is from Romans, and it's very clear. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you should be saved. In other words, Paul's saying to the church in Rome, you profess that Jesus is who He says He is. That He lived this life to be your sacrifice and that He resurrected. You can argue till Jesus comes back about all theology. 
Should you be fully immersed in baptism? When does baptism stick? What should you be wearing at church? Who's right and who's wrong? Friends, more people will be in heaven that are practicing this morning very differently than us because they center on Jesus. For it is with your heart that you believe are unjustified. Notice it doesn't say about whether you're right or wrong. Because frankly this morning, friends, we are all wrong. And that's why we need Jesus. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Scripture says anyone who believes in Him, ah, I love this, will never be put to shame. You know, often I return to the refuse pile of my own way, my own pride, my own sin. Do you? And you recognize the shamefulness, and then you recognize once again that because of Jesus, I no longer need to live that way. And it says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all who richly blesses us all and call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, I want you to stand with me this morning because we're going to begin, and go ahead and stand with me. I want, we're going to begin in a very different way this morning. It's typically how we end in response, but I want us to start differently this morning. We are going to come to the center and not center because it's focused around these two, but center that it comes around Jesus, friends. Not all the logos and the things that we do around here at church, but it centers around Jesus this morning. Make no mistake, community church is about the blood and the body and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts and ends. And part of that is you then affirming that every week when you go to the communion table. Communion is not some rote tradition. It's not something that you, you get forgiven because you take communion. Friends, no. It is a reminder that you needed Jesus Christ and that you believe in those things. Mark Batterson, his book, I, I finished the book. I stayed up to 11 last night finishing it. And he does this great tradition that I want to do this morning. And I want you to put your hands like this this morning, palms facing down. It's a Quaker tradition. And it's first that this morning, before we go to communion, we drop all that makes us feel shameful. The sin, the thoughts, the secret sins. We, we drop all of those this morning. And you think about all those things right now that this week, and I know I have them, that are just falling because the world wants to blame us. The evil one wants to be the accuser in your life. You drop those things. And this beautiful tradition that now you turn your hands upward, ready, receive, turn your hands up to receive now the blood and body of Christ. None of us deserve it, do we? Tomorrow's freedom is today's surrender. And your surrender this morning is to go to communion together as you hear this song and to say, God, I thank you for the blood and the body that allows me to let go of shame and to be called a child of God and be a part of the family. Father, as we hold our palms open, it's in proclamation to this great gift. 
As Father, we go to communion this morning, might we be reminded that we're a part of a great family, and that is the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.